everybody, this is J.C. Groves from the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast. You're listening to the RFWP, and we are super excited about this brand new podcast with Lois and Emily. And uh, this episode is one that they recorded on our podcast, the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast, the week that we were in Vegas. Be sure to tune in Friday, February the 19th for their brand new, very first episode right here on the RFWP. It's going to be a great time. Let's go. Welcome to the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast. My name is Lois McNair. And my name is Emily Lewis. And we are filling in for the guys tonight. How for, cool. Yes, for Nathan and JC. And let's see, what's that other guy's name? Uh, Brian. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> <laughs> because they are at the Idea Day and RF, RFP fam meetup in Vegas. Can't believe it. And we are not there. <laughs> no, and we have major FOMO. We yes. are missing out. They're all having fun, meeting each other, seeing each yes. other face to face. And here we are in the studio. But but I but I'm enjoying my time with you. So I have I have FOMO, but you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's called JOMO. Have you Jomo? heard of that? No, I haven't. You okay. gotta tell me about that. That's the joy of missing out. <laughs> Okay. I like that. That works for me. Jomo. Yep. See, cause I was thinking it had something to do with coffee. Joe Mo, like more coffee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you, you lost me at coffee. That's right. Because you don't drink coffee. I don't. But you didn't tea. I do. I have a really nice rooibos tea sitting right here next okay, to me. Okay. So should we call this tea time? Yeah. No, no, <laughs> no, that doesn't fit. <laughs> okay. Wait a minute. We are talking about FOMO and we're assuming that Everybody knows what FOMO is, and I'm sure a lot of people do. So I don't want to insult anybody's intelligence, but just in case you don't know what FOMO is, it's the fear of missing out, you know, F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. So, and speaking of FOMO, (laughs) I know we're picking on Brian tonight, poor guy. Speaking of FOMO, um, Brian, if you're hearing this, um, we understand that they do not make skinny jeans in your size. And um, I recall somebody recently on Twitter kind of calling you out, making it sound like you, you're you really missing out on not being able to wear skinny <laughs> jeans. And, and we know that that's really not true. Um, JC doesn't wear skinny jeans. Nathan says he doesn't wear skinny jeans. His are just slim fit. Right. And there's a difference. Okay. You got that? I got yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But tonight, for the first time ever, the hosts of the RFP are both wearing skinny jeans. That's right. <laughs> because they make them in our size. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, um, sorry, bud, but, you know, you we may be having FOMO for Vegas, but maybe Brian will have a little FOMO that... <laughs> They actually make skinny <laughs> jeans in our size. Uh, yes. Uh, well, I'm I'm so excited to to be here tonight and to be filling in for the guys. How fun is that? So fun. I'm so thankful and honored that they asked us. Yeah. 
Yeah. Super cool. And you know, what's really cool is that um, not too long ago, you and I didn't even know each other. That's right. We didn't know each other. um, And just over the last, what is it? A little, was it in November? It was December. December? Was it already December when when we connected the first time? It was before Christmas. Yeah. But I thought you, I thought you messaged me on Instagram. Oh, probably. You're right. Before we chatted. Yeah. Not that that detail matters. Well, um, I'm so excited that we're here tonight and, and what we're going to do in this episode, I really want you guys to meet Emily and the, the best way for us to do that is to hear some of Emily's story. And that's really kind of how God, I think had our paths cross Mm -hmm. was just the connection that we had, even though you are the age of my oldest child. So right. I'm old enough to be your mother. Right. But that's okay. I'm okay with that. Good. I'm glad. Um, but yeah, so Emily, I would love for you just to spend a little time with us. Tell us some of your story. I know we don't have time for your whole story, but maybe we'll get a chance mm-hmm. in the future to interview again and get a little bit more of your story. But would you share with us tonight? I would love to. I think sometimes we feel insecure about our stories. Like, what does my story matter? And, but we're made for story. We're made, um, God tells story. The Bible is a story and Mm -hmm. we all connect with story differently. So I think uh, it's important to share Mm -hmm. our stories. So I grew up in a Christian home that was awesome. And where legalism comes in for me was the church that I was raised in. Mm -hmm. The, uh, the culture was not healthy, mostly due to the doctrinal teachings as well as um, the pastor there. So I grew up in a Ruckmanite style IFB church with mm. some exposure to like the camp meeting crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my view of who God was growing up was someone to be afraid of. I, I had nightmares of hell so young and just wanted to make God happy and not in a, wow, I want to please him because he's so good to me, Mm -hmm. but just to keep him off my back, keep the hammer from falling. Mm -hmm. And those nightmares continued until I was a young teenager. And I was able to admit that I was a sinner for myself. And I stopped depending on prayers that I had prayed a hundred times, but instead of putting my faith in that prayer, I actually put faith in Jesus and knowing that I was a sinner. Mm-hmm. So the nightmare stopped, okay. but the relationship didn't really start with God. Mm-hmm. I wasn't as afraid of hell, but I was still wanting to keep God happy with working really hard for him. Mm-hmm. So being a task oriented person, I, was a very good legalist. Because you're already wired that way. Exactly. Just from your natural. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. My personality is that. Mm-hmm. So it was easy for me. That's what stood out from the culture. It was easy for me to adopt the checklist and trying to toe the line. And I think I was even in some ways more of a legalist than my parents who raised me in it. Because hmm. I just picked it up and kind of soaked it up and wanted to be that be be the perfect model of what a Christian, what I thought a Christian should be. Right. And I see you using quotation marks when you say <laughs> what a Christian right. should yeah. be. Yes. Because yeah. I think we all have in our minds like that checklist or that scorecard. And it's different for all of us. 
but we can't measure up to that. Right. Which leads me into the next part of my story. Uh, we know the gospel for salvation. And the guys have talked about this a lot, yeah. how the gospel is not just for salvation. It's right. for all of our life. But I really didn't understand that until a few years ago. So the church that I grew up in hit some rough times and the pastor there was exposed for who he was. Mm. And now how old were you when 25 when that happened? Okay. So So not too long ago. No, no. So I was put in a position where I could question things. I used to be afraid of truth. Mm -hmm. That's just the best way I can put it. And I know that sounds kind of funny, but I liked what I believed so much that I didn't want to question it. Mm-hmm. But that situation gave me opportunity to ask those hard questions. Okay. I, I Let me ask this real quick. You said that you could ask those questions. So what made you feel at that point that you, when you say could, are you talking about that you felt allowed to ask those questions? Right. And Whoa. I also gave myself permission to ask those questions. Okay. Because if... Uh, a leader like my former pastor in my life was gone. There was freedom to question, do we celebrate Christmas? Do I believe in eternal security? Hmm. Like, what do I believe about hell? And I, I never personally wrestled with, is God real? Because I had experienced mm-hmm. fellowship with him. But we question everything, small and big. And within that space of starting to ask questions, and I don't think I've stopped asking questions. Sure. And I think that's important that we're all comfortable with questioning what we believe. Right. We all need to be able to analyze what we believe. Yeah. Um, I think analyze is a good word mm -hmm. um, because we have to own our own faith and understand it for ourselves. But it sounds to me like the church that you grew up in was telling you, you know, this is everything kind of like, I'm going to dictate from here and you need to toe the line. And because you're task oriented, you just fell right in line with that. Right. Okay. And there was pride in keeping that law and keeping those lines mm-hmm. and meeting the standard. You know, when you say pride, we don't like to talk about pride in ourselves, but we all have it at different times. But that's one of the things that I see in a legalistic environment um, where there isn't this fellowship with God, that um, knowledge and all of this, that there's pride in that almost to the point, like I, you know, I have my stuff together. I'm better than the next person because I go to this church and I toe the line, you know, here at A, B and C does that absolutely do at all? Yep. Yeah. So the I was proud of being a legalist, even uh, willing to accept that label. Wow. Because I thought they would refer to me as a legalist because their standards are not good enough. Mm. So you're right. They're wrong. And if you're going to call me a legalist over it, I guess that's what I am. So you were wearing the badge and loving it. Yes. <laughs> And uh, not being very easy to get along with, I don't think, Hmm. unless you were also fitting the same mold that I was trying to fit into. So probably if you and I had met back then, I I may not have been good enough to become your friend. 
Probably not. And I probably <laughs> wasn't good enough either. <laughs> so my relationship with God was non-existent. I didn't need his voice in my life. I didn't believe his voice was very predominant in my life because mm. I already had what I needed. I had the Bible. I had the list. I knew what I was supposed to be doing and I didn't understand him empowering me. I didn't understand his grace. Mm. But back to my story, questioning and analyzing everything we believed, I was open to learning mm -hmm. and God brought me some really amazing resources about the gospel. He kept planting seeds in my life. And this is a good example for how proud I was of what I believed. Okay. I was listening to a podcast interview. Uh, they were interviewing two authors of a book, and I don't remember what podcast it was, but they were wrapping up the interview and they said, well, what's next for you? And the one gal says, well, every time I try to move past the gospel, God just keeps reeling me back in and you know, saturating me in it and teaching mm -hmm. me more about it. And my thought was, well, that interview was helpful. Maybe your book is helpful, but wow, you're shallow. Mm. You don't know any doctrine past the gospel. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the seed that was planted. Like, what is she talking about? I have no idea what she's talking about. Right. And then some different resources within motherhood and other books about grace and the gospel. God brought my way. And the most impactful one was Real Christianity by Carrie Schmidt. Okay. Reading it gave me a new view of the gospel and my need of grace mm -hmm. and how I could be dependent on grace. It wasn't me trying to work. I mean, we know back to the gospel for salvation. We know we can't earn our salvation, but somehow we think we can earn God's acceptance. Right after salvation. And that's not how it works. Even in the Psalms, if you see God favors a, a righteous man, or even David refers to himself as righteous, it wasn't because they were perfect. It wasn't mm -hmm. because they were towing a line. It's because they knew who they were in God, in right, Christ. Right, right. So getting a hold of that and beginning to grasp that God really did love me unconditionally. Yeah. I, I couldn't actually do anything to make him love me less. And the stuff I was trying to do to make him love me more didn't matter. Hmm. And I used to be afraid of unconditional love because the the line was so much felt so much more safe because it was predictable. Okay. But the falling in love with him changed everything. And I could actually have a relationship with him and talk to him. And my dependency on him grew because I wasn't trying to do it on my own. Right. Right. So, um, you, I want to kind of go back to your church situation for a minute. And you said something earlier, you said that everything that you believed. So can we deconstruct that a bit, uh, you know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it seems to me like a more fitting statement would be everything that you'd been taught to that point. And, and, and the belief system was created, was mm -hmm. created by that. And I would have fought you on that before. Okay. Because I didn't want to be labeled as someone who just adopted what I was told from the pulpit. Okay. I wanted to own it. Mm -hmm. I tried to own it. Yeah. Uh, 
but without questioning it. And I think this is really important, maybe for parents, especially when your teenagers start questioning things, it's good Mm -hmm. because they need to own it. And if you don't question it and take it apart, like you use the word deconstruction, Mm -hmm. and I think people are afraid of it, but you can deconstruct it, dissect it, Mm -hmm. pull it apart and go, why? Even though I've been taught the verses and I know all of the cross-references for this particular doctrine, quote Mm -hmm. unquote. Right. uh, Because we know that some doctrines in the church that you grew up in, in the church that I grew up in, mm -hmm. were not actually biblical doctrines. They were added as though they were doctrine when really it was not doctrine or it was wrong, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's like we know that salvation is given to us through the gospel and then, you know, then the sanctification is up to us. No, Mm-mm. you know, and we know that now, but that's not the way that that you saw and looked at that growing up. You know, and the deconstructing of faith, that's a scary term for a lot of people. And I know that's kind of a buzzword the last few years. Mm-hmm. And I think people are scared of that because they assume that when somebody starts deconstructing their faith, that they're that they eventually walk away from the faith because there have been some prominent um, Christians that are saying, I am no longer, I no longer believe this. I'm no longer a Christian, Mm -hmm. but the deconstruction of faith, just like you said, it it means you're breaking it apart. You're understanding it for yourself. You're getting into the word of God for yourself. See, that's another thing. Okay. Because uh, you know, as women, There's a lot of secondhand spirituality that takes place in the types of churches that you and I were both raised in. Right. Um, And so it's like the the priesthood of the believer, as far as getting into the word for yourself, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life, uh, just was not, it just wasn't considered, you know, in a lot of churches, not, it, it wasn't considered a good thing or necessary or whatever. And so the women, I remember even when I was in college, there were strong females in my life out that weren't raised in an IFB mm. situation, but they came to teach in an IFB situation. And I remember just listening to them and going, wow, where did that come from? You know, mm-hmm. and then living in Chattanooga and Kay Arthur started preset ministries. And oh my gosh, that was just like, no, 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 no. Mm. She was just trying to be a female pastor and all oh, of that. Oh man. Yeah. So that makes me so sad because, well, for many reasons, but God sent Jesus to die to redeem the relationship. Yeah. I mean, that is why he came. We are separated from God. Our sin Mm -hmm. does put a barrier in between us and our heavenly father. And that's how much the relationship matters to him. Mm -hmm. And for us to not believe that that's accessible to us is tragic. Right. Well, it kind of goes back to, um, you know, the Old Testament and even some churches today, but the Old Testament of that you could only go through the priest for this. But see, when Jesus came and, you know, which was the plan all along, and he tore all that apart, and he gave access to come to him and to the throne of God, and he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit as a comforter and a guide, um, 
it just, it breaks it open for everybody, not just certain people, you mm-hmm. know? Right. Um, because if, if God's word is active and alive, which we know that it is, and we believe that it is every time you open God's word, it is active in that moment because they're, they're his words. And sometimes we can read them and it's not like the meaning of the passage changes. I mean, God's words are God's words, and this is what he put in the hearts of men to, in divine inspiration. But I think when we go through different circumstances and different phases, it's, we're going to catch something out of it. You know, I don't know if you're like me, but it's like watching a movie. Yes. And then watching that movie again. And you're like, wow, I didn't notice that last time. (laughs) Exactly. That's such a good example. But instead of looking for a new doctrine or a new hidden secret, Mm. I can just read my Bible looking for God's heart, Mm. not looking for what does this say I'm supposed to go do? Right. What does this say that God has done? And let's bask in that. Mm. And that will inform our doing. But we have to stop first and enjoy what God did first. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. And that changes the relationship from Mm -hmm. this servant master dynamic to the father-daughter dynamic. Right. And you you and I both know that most, um, and I may be kind of stepping into a, a tough area for some, but most um, girls and women who are in church or hear of, of Christianity and they hear people talk about God, the father, they automatically transfer what their earthly father, their relationship with their earthly father is um, to, they assume that that's how God, the father is because, you know, mm-hmm. and I would even add your pastor because the projection I had of God was less like who my dad was to me. Right. Because my dad is a loving Yeah, father. I've met your dad and and he's just right. a cool guy. <laughs> right. So instead of that, it was my pastor mm. was who I assumed God was like, controlling and harsh and judgmental mm. and... So how long this this pastor that you speak of? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how long was he your pastor? My entire life until your entire life. And I think I said 25, but I think I was 26. So either so 26 years. Wow. Wow. That was the picture of who I assumed God was. And 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 you said when he was exposed and for who he really was and all. Um how did that impact your family at that time? How did that impact you and and your husband, Bill? Because your husband was in the church as well, right? Right. Yep. He married into it. Uh, (laughs) It was actually relieving Hmm. because my mom talks about it too, that we thought we were weak Christians Hmm. because we couldn't handle his belittlement or his guilt trips or him trying to shame you into doing things. Mm. And when I say that, if, if someone's still in an IFB church or some, not even an IFB church, but a church where you feel like you get that shame and the guilt from the pulpit, like be aware of it. It's not the Holy spirit. Yeah. That's not God. 
mm-hmm. but getting that and feeling like you were a weak Christian because you couldn't handle it. It was relieving to know, oh, wait, it wasn't me. Yeah. I wasn't weak. I wasn't, I'm not a lesser Christian than the people who seem to be just handling it fine. Yeah. We're at, we're actually not completely seeing abuse that's going on. Right. And it is abuse. And I know, again, this is a terminology that, you know, I've, I've heard even on the guys podcast, I've heard people, you know, not on the podcast, but after they've, you know, given Mm -hmm. a podcast, yeah, they're just complaining. I'm not recovering from anything. And I hope I'm always recovering, Mm. but I hope, but when I say that, I hope I'm always recovering (laughs) from the realization, not from the realization, but through the realization of, of the wonder of God. And be in awe of him because I think when we are in awe of him and we're just, I hope I never recover from that. And I hope it just gets deeper and deeper because that's true. That's really walking in freedom when you know, not when you're afraid. Yes. Because I said in, in, in an episode I did with the guys back in the summer, which, oh my gosh, I'm so ADD. So I know that those episodes were all over the map, (laughs) but, um, that I, I was raised thinking, you know, God was waiting for me to make a mistake and knock me upside the head. You know, that was my view. Again, even though my own dad was very calm and laid back. Now, my dad, and I love my daddy, but my dad was full on IFB. My dad Mm -hmm. was full on all the, the rules and regulations and the pleasing this, but you know, most of my teenagers, he was in evangelism. So when he came home from that time, um, you know, it was just, it was a really good, just like being together. Mm -hmm. Then when we traveled together, you know, our family traveled together every summer, um, it went back into that performance, you know, just the whole, the whole thing. And is God pleased with me? And you're always on parade. Remember, this and that. Mm. And it's so freeing to know that it's not performance based with God. Right. How sufficient was Jesus's atonement? Because <sighs> you said that the other day when we were together and it just was like, we either believe it was sufficient or we don't. Right. Do we think now there's something I can do to make the father happy? No. And the reason you can you can boldly say, I am worthy, I am accepted, I am enough, beautiful affirmations over yourself is because when God sees you, he sees Jesus. Right. And you don't, you are not less than. And I think that's so important for women of all ages. I always call everybody girls and they're like, whoa, who are you talking about? Like, I, even in my Bible studies, like, I, if you're 90 years old, I'm still calling you one of my girls. But I think that's one thing that we struggle with because there's that balance between knowing that you're enough because of who you are in Christ and yet not saying, you know, I'm worth it. You know, yes. You understand what I'm saying? Does that, I don't Mm -hmm. know if that translates or not. Yep. I think a lot of conservative Christians don't know what to do with the statement, I am enough. Mm. Because it comes across as, well, I'm good enough. Okay. But it, but you're not. 
And that's the point. You know, you're not, you know, Jesus is completely sufficient. So you can rest in that and Mm -hmm. you're not trying to earn anything and you're basking in God's love. And like you said, we are in awe of him. Mm -hmm. And that is the heart of Christianity and our love for him Mm -hmm. because we love him because he first loved us. Right. And when we stand in that awe of who he is, his size, everything he's done, everything that he was willing to give up for us, Mm -hmm. that's the basis of our relationship, not how we dress, how we talk, how often we go to church. Right. So I have to ask you, um, it, it was funny to me as we met and we talked, literally my husband and I stepped out of the IFB into what we thought was freedom because we were in a different denomination. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> but, um, but we stepped out and I, I was kind of doing the math this week, which is really not my thing. I'm not a math person. But I was like, oh my gosh, we stepped out of the IFB the same year that you were born. Which is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which to be totally honest, we just left last year completely. Mm. Um, we've been asking questions and growing away from it for a few years, but yeah. So we left when I was about the same age as you were. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, you know, we didn't talk about your family earlier and I've met your family. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Please tell us about your, your family. By the way, your husband is like, he's like, you know, I don't know if you've seen the movie, um, Oh, and now I'm not even going to remember the name. <laughs> That's a, happens it's to me. It's the movie with all the emotions, and there's probably people going. It's that Disney movie with um, inside the. They're inside the head, and everybody's. <laughs> I can't even remember. I can't either, but that's typical for me. I don't remember. <laughs> anyway, my husband and I met actually at the church that I grew up in. He moved to the town where I live and was raised um, to go to school. And he had been in a couple of Baptist churches, um, but quite a wide variety of denominations growing up. When he came to our town, he was walking past our church and saw the amount of times we were in church. And he said, well, if they believe in being in church that much, it's worth checking out. (laughs) So uh, check. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So he came and he says it was love at second sight the second time he came to church. Mm -hmm. But he is. Well, because the first time you weren't there. I don't know. (laughs) No, no, I was there. It just uh, the second time he goes, I want to marry that girl. Okay. Uh, So we knew each other for a few years. Um, before we got married and he is such a blessing to me because if I would have gotten my way, I would have married a legalist. Mm. And I told you this, I asked him all the questions mm-hmm. and some. Mm-hmm. And so I really thought I was getting what I wanted, <laughs> but God gave me a very gracious man and mm. He teaches me about who God's character is by the way he lives. Oh, I love that. I love that because that, oh, that's, that's so good. Uh, I need it because uh, like we talk about still recovering, I'm still recovering mm-hmm. and he 
we tether each other. Um, mm-hmm. And then we have four beautiful little girls. They're so much fun. They are beautiful. I have met them. <laughs> They're <laughs> so cute. They're such a joy. Uh, our oldest is five and then our youngest is one. Um, we have twins in the middle, so that's how <laughs> I get four in four years. You know, and there's some there's some women listening to podcasts right now like, wait, what? <laughs> four girls under the age of five? And yep. somebody's sitting out there going, oh, girlfriend, just wait till they're all teenagers. Oh, I will not buy into that. We, we're going to speak life. <laughs> we're going to speak life and, and normalcy. Yes. And it can be hormonal and we can, and we can have okay. our times, but we will be okay. <laughs> Oh, you know, the fact that, uh, we have so much in common that you have four kids, Mm -hmm. but there are five and under, I have four kids, but they're 19 to 29, right? Um, almost, almost 30. Um, but I'm just so glad the way that, um, that God brought us together. You had reached out to JC. And, um, for those of you who don't know, Emily has her own podcast. You need to go check it out. It's called abundant grace. That's right. And the first time I listened to, well, the first time I met you, we had a Zoom call. And then the first time I listened to um, one of your podcasts, I'm like, and I know I've said this to you and I'm probably embarrassing you now, but like, I told my husband, I said, this girl just oozes grace. Mm -hmm. Like you just ooze grace. And I love that because there are so many men and women and teenagers and even older adults that never experienced, I mean, they grew up in church, you know, salvation, but just never really fully experienced Mm. that grace and that God loves them and adores them. And, you know, and that we are all male and female created Imago Dei in his image. Mm -hmm. And so as we grow in him, it's not like we're working for him. We're growing in him just to become closer image bearers of, of right. who he created us mm-hmm. to be, you know, to reflect mm-hmm. him. And, um, and I've seen that, I've seen that just in the time that I have spent with your husband, you know, I was trying to think the name of that movie, but it's the one with all the emotions and it's the one that's happy all the time. And your husband gets excited about everything. Yes, he does. And I love it. <laughs> Everything is his favorite. Everything is his favorite. And it's awesome. (laughs) It's great. I want to go talk about the word you just used, experience grace. Mm. Because I think we know about grace. Sure. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or the Young Baptist podcast first episode, you are learning about grace in the gospel. Mm -hmm. But experiencing it, and that's what we all need, is that just sitting in it and yeah. really enjoying that for ourselves. And you said just sitting in it, but the truth of the matter is most of us are moving and doing and trying to accomplish and perform that we don't take this time to just be still and sit in it and just meditate on a verse that God has given us for that day or just to be still and realize who he is to us. You guys really haven't been out of your church very long, just about six months. Right. But your heart has been out of it for, what, two and a half, three years now? Right. 
And I say your heart's been out of it, you know, and I know it's going to be like, well, yeah, that's what happens when you leave the right church. <laughs> but when I mean your heart's been out of it, your heart has been able to grow in the grace of God and not in the checklists and the legalism and the, mm-hmm. and the performance. Right. That's awesome. That's awesome. You and I live 2,100 miles apart. That's right. That's crazy. You live by the beach and I live in the mountains. Where the average snowfall a year is 21 inches. (laughs) (laughs) And yet God allowed our paths to cross, purposefully allowed our paths to cross so that so that we could come together and, and we're together right now. Yes. Should I, I think you should, should I tell them where we are? Sure. So we're in Montana. Yep. And your mom is a ski instructor. So she took me out on the slopes yesterday and I haven't skied in a year. And before (laughs) that, I can't even remember how many years. So we're sitting today because I pretty much can't stand. (laughs) Your mom was just awesome yesterday. It was a blast. But we are in Montana together. Mm -hmm. And that just really happened like in the last... A week week ago today. today. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so true. A week ago today, I sent you a picture um, from the beach and said, you really need to come down here. We need to meet face to face and talk. And you text me back immediately, like almost like I had been reading your journal. And, um, and then here we are a week later and I'm in Montana with you and your family. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. (laughs) God writes such incredible, cool stories, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. It's amazing. He does. So speaking of stories, why are we sitting down together? We are sitting down together because a few months back, the guys, Nathan and JC and Brian, decided they wanted to have a family of podcasts, an RFP fam. Mm -hmm. And when I heard them tease that, I had been in contact with JC before. So I sent JC a message and I said, hey, if you ever want to do a women's podcast, I would love to be involved somehow. Mm-hmm. I'd love to help out or co-host or something. And then he sent me to you. He said, get a hold of Lois. Yeah. Because at that time, the guys had had already asked me to consider being a part. So should we tell them? I think it's time. Okay, guys. We are the pink mic. That's right. <laughs> you heard it first here. You heard it first here. So Emily and I are the pink microphone and we could not be more excited. Um, we teased the other day coming from the airport that we should have just hit the record button the minute we saw each other face to face and then the and then the ride back to your town um, because just... It was just a blast and mm, so many connections. Yep, exactly. So much fun. So much that I think God is inspiring. Yeah. I know God is inspiring. Right. And I love the hashtag and I've used it for a few years now. I love the hashtag that I use, um, Sister Seeker, because sisters in Christ or women in general who are not in Christ yet, I, I don't ever want to be that person that like, I know this much more than you do. Mm -hmm. No, I want to walk beside seeking together Mm -hmm. who God is, right? Yes. And you said something 
just in the last 24 hours when we were talking about Sister Seeker. Mm-hmm. That was just, I loved the way you put it. I think we may have to use that. Seeking truth, finding relationship with God. Yeah. Mm. Seeking truth because we should seek truth. Absolutely. He is truth, but seeking truth and finding God's heart. Well, I am so thankful for you sharing our story, sharing your story with us. And I know there's a, there is a lot more to your story that we don't have time for today, but we will have the opportunity (laughs) on this new podcast. We just can't wait to start. We are going to release it in February. Right. So keep your eyes peeled. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, when we were talking about this and the, and the guys put out the pink microphone, um, you know, I got some, I got some DMS asking who it was and all that. Uh And I just really didn't, didn't give it away too soon. But then recently the guys, I keep calling them the guys, but they are the guys. I know. Right. That's what I call them. Even though they're in Vegas, we're experiencing FOMO and we're not with them, but, and they're beautiful (laughs) wives. Nathan said, you know, we might even have to special order a pink microphone for you guys. So I think we should hold him to that. (laughs) I think we should. (laughs) Even though I don't wear a lot of pink, I'm kind of digging the pink microphone. They're beautiful. (laughs) They're shiny. (laughs) It's shiny. Oh, I am so glad you guys have taken the time um, to be with us today. And it's just, it's been great hearing what God is doing in, in you and your family's life, Emily. And I just, I'm excited to do this. I'm excited Mm. to be together. I'm excited to just jump in um, next month. Yes. Thank you, Lois. It's such a blessing to connect with people who are a few years ahead of me on this journey. What are you trying to say? No, Emily. (laughs) (laughs) Out of, out of legalism. That's what I mean. (laughs) It's a blessing just to have examples of people that are letting the Holy spirit move them Mm. and letting that relationship with God just grow and blossom. Thanks. And I'm glad to have you along for the ride. And this is going to be a fun ride. Oh, it's going to be good. So maybe we need to go beyond the pink mic and maybe we need to ask for a pink Cadillac. Hey, (laughs) upgrade. Upgrade. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, thanks for taking time with us today um, and listening to Emily's story. We are so excited. You can reach out to us either through the RFP website or you are, are you on Twitter and Instagram? I am on Twitter. Instagram at emily.abundantgrace, and then I'm on Twitter at Emily K. Lewis. Okay, awesome. And don't forget to check out Emily's podcast that already has a lot of episodes, um, and it's Abundant Grace. Correct. And they can jump on and listen to you. I just love um, listening to your podcasts and you know, I like the fact that some of them are a little shorter because it's like a 20-minute ride, and I'm like, Man, that's a good word for today. I, I thank love you. That. Yeah, um, and you guys can. Um, I'm on Twitter, just uh, Lois in my lane at Lois McNair, and uh, and I'm on Instagram and Facebook and whatever else. Yeah, all the all the social media, right? <laughs> right. Not all of it, but but some of it. Okay. Well, guys, thanks for taking time with us today. We are so looking forward to seeing you in February.
We're doing this. We're doing this. All right, guys. See you next time. Okay. So my brain finally. (laughs) (laughs) Did your time. (laughs) I'll take number one. (laughs) Okay. So my, my brain finally. Um, started functioning, but only because of Google. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so the movie that I was referring to was Inside Out. Okay. And I have not seen it. Oh my goodness. You need to see it. You need to see it. It's great. Okay. So that's all I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> hey everybody. We are so excited to be with you. We are. <laughs> I completely forgot what I was supposed to say. Uh, hey, that could be a good intro. Let's just start with bloopers. There you go. If you've seen the pink microphone, microphone. I'm so tired. Um, that is us. And then you can say, my name is Lois McNair. I'm Emily Lewis. And we have come alongside each other, walking into a deeper relationship with God and freedom in Christ or whatever comes out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we are seeking others, sisters to walk this journey together. We're so excited to be a part of the RFP fam, a podcast. Okay. <clears throat> when I get tired, I get giddy. Hey everybody. We are so excited to be a new part of the family of RFPM. <laughs> Oh, my word. Maybe we should go home and make a sandwich. (laughs) Woman, don't make me a sandwich. (laughs) Hey, man. (laughs) You know, I think that we need to have an episode called Woman, Go Make Me a Sandwich. I think so. I think our husbands need to be on it. Yes.